Ciao, you magnificent bastardi, and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo podcast, brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. Today we have John Goldberger, the legendary biblical figure of a watch collector, um, who's had, I feel like, every watch ever made in creation. Um, so check it out, utterly fascinating and slightly depressing when you are yourself a watch collector to hear about all the glorious stuff he's had. Uh, let's get into it. It's sort of like, I was like a person preparing for their very first date, figuring out, thinking, what watch should I wear? What watch should I wear? <laughs> I almost thought, no watch. This morning I was like, I can't wear a watch because there's nothing you haven't seen. There's nothing you've not experienced. Um, so uh, I guess I'd like to start off with something a little bit uh, unorthodox of a question. Um, I heard somewhere you talking about how someone has said to you, Rolling Stones or David Bowie, and you said David Bowie. Yeah, right. And I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so I'd be interested to know what is it about Bowie that, that you like, and does that... Because he was, was very innovative artist, also with the help of the Brian Eno, and uh, I love the, the video he made. Which video? I don't remember the, the oh, title. Oh, okay. Do you, do you think that, for me, I mean, Bowie seemed like a person of endless curiosity, but also he seemed like someone who was incredibly elastic in terms of, like, he would always change himself. Yeah. And I feel like, in a weird way, and this is a strange metaphor, and you can tell me if I'm being weird, but I feel like that's what makes you the collector that you are, because you are very elastic in terms of how you approach yeah. things, your tastes I'm change. I'm very flexible. Yeah, exactly. Do you find and that... And also my collections always in... Is moving. Right. I mean, I think that's, in some ways, I feel like that. Do you feel like, um, one thing about me, I've not been, I've been collecting such an infinitesimally small amount of time compared to you, but what I, what I find interesting in my own collecting habits is that things that I really didn't like, sometimes I'll look at them and then it's as though something has clicked in my mind and then I'll say, oh, I, now I like it. And I'm always surprised by that process. Yeah. Does that happen? Do you, does that happen to you? Are there things that you don't like for years? And not suddenly... a lot, because when uh, I don't like the property of the watch, I like the the journey, how to find, how to have a connection with the dealer, with the collectors, uh, to increase the knowledge about watches. And um, after that, I put the watch on the safe. Oh, really? I forgot the, the watch. So has it? <laughs> So it's always been the kind of, there is, I find, a kind of a physical sensation when you discover, for me, when I discover a kind of watch or a group of watches or a period of watches that I feel that has been overlooked or something. Do you have that same sense? Like a, yeah, yeah. And, and <coughs> I guess, um, have it, has it always been like that for you in collecting watches? Has it always been the research and the history and the hunt? Yeah. Always? Yeah. Even at the beginning? Yeah, Always. Really? Especially in the beginning, because there's no knowledge, no internet, no books, right. there's nothing. So it was a big adventure. So I was a little pioneer in collecting watches. Do you do you find that that adventure is smaller now because you've seen so much, or not? Yeah, very small now. So, <laughs> so what, what? I mean, what is it that? What are what are the some of the things that that sort of give you that tingle that make you think, ah, this is worth pursuing in a watch? Yeah, maybe the, the quality and the beauty on the wrist. For me, it's very important, the design, the beauty of the dial, the case, the condition, the provenance. 
Do you like the idea of, is it also important that it hasn't been discovered or hasn't been seen much? Yeah. Right. I feel, I, I, I feel that way. <laughs> I, I feel sort of a, I, I always want to be, it's, it's, I have a particularly rare, a weird form of snobbery where, um, and, and I'm, I just want to be wearing not necessarily what other people are wearing, yeah. if possible. Me too, I'm, I'm very snobbish. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I know you said you, you, uh, you really hate selling things. Yeah. And then you regret when you sell. Yeah, always. I prefer to trade. Ah, okay. Okay. So, what's the most, in, what's, the, is, what's the thing, is there a thing in particular that, that um, you regret the most selling? Or you sort of feel, they're like children, you, you, you feel sad for all of them. I don't care. No. No. Is there anything? Is there anything that you're okay? Well, let me ask you this: in terms of the, in terms of the hunt, um, is there anything you're hunting for now that you can tell us about, or it's a secret until you found it? No, no, now I don't have any target and any goal. Really? No. Does that happen regularly? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So, <laughs> so are you waiting for what do you wait for? Just to to to, to stumble across something? Yeah, something new, something unusual. Lately, with the help of a good dealer, good friend of mine. Uh, he found a good uh, rare watches in the auction in Monte Carlo. And, uh, I deal with him to, to buy it. That's not the watches in Monte Carlo auction, was it? The, the, um, they had, the, I think it was Davide Parmigiani. Yeah, Davide Parmigiani helped me to buy a watch in another auction. I see. Ah, okay. <laughs> I saw at that auction they had some amazing, um, I think it was Piaget or... I think it was Piaget that I'd never seen before. Really beautiful stuff from the 70s, of course. Yeah, yeah. Also, lately, he put to the auction many 70s style wristwatches by Gilbert Albert, Piaget, and other brands. What, I, well, look, you know I'm a man who enjoys the 70s. Yeah. So have you, are you intrigued at all in the 70s, or that's, you haven't disappeared down that no, world yet? No, I'm not a big fan of the 70s. Why not? Uh, because in the 70s, I'd... I don't like the cars, I like <laughs> the watches, I don't like the clothes, I don't like the fashion, I like the, the design. But some pieces are very interesting. Okay. Now tell me this. For so me, the best period is 60, for the cars, for the watches, for everything. Right. Lifestyle. <laughs> so that's interesting, because um, mm. I, I find that the 70s was very audacious from a design standpoint. Like it, was a real, it was a real, each decade kind of reacts to the yeah. decade previous. And also in the 70s. The brands are were very innovative. Yeah, so that doesn't appear you, to you. If you remember, all the Oyer chronograph line was a very innovative for the period. Right, and so seventy they introduced some quartz watches. They introduced some fancy design. But do you do you find uh, are you do you mind quartz? I know some people don't like quartz. You don't. I don't care. I like quartz. You do. Because I like the design of the watches. The design of the watches is nice. I don't care if it's quartz or minor inside. Do you care about the movement of watches? Or? Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. You know, I have to say, Aldo, I'm so happy you say <laughs> that because, <laughs> because I, I consider myself a village idiot. Like, I don't yeah. know how things work. I don't really care how Me things too. work. Yeah. And so, and I find that when... <laughs> and sometimes I'm very excited to see some... Split second movement, some choreographer movement. 
I like it because you see all the leverage or the finishing is, mm. is interesting. Right. Always work also. But you're really aesthetics then driven. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's the same for me. I'm, I'm very shallow. This is the reason because my big passion is a Cartier. Right. Right. And also. It's timeless aesthetic. Well, I was watching, uh, you were talking in the video about a tank, uh, Centre yeah. from the, I think the 30s. Yeah. And, and you were talking about how it's timeless. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. Like, do you think you can tell by looking at the design whether it's going to last or not? Like, for instance, a contemporary watch. Is there a contemporary watch you can look at and say, this will be still... Tank Centurion was a very innovative watch for the 20. Sure. And uh, the design was very clean and pure. Uh, right now, as contemporary look on the wrist is something interesting. If you see in the past, there are few watches are iconic by design. The Tank Centurion, the Tank, the Rolex Bubble Work, the Chronograph Oyster by, by Rolex, the Cosmograph, the Daytona, the Ellipse, uh, the 70 by Patek, and other few brands, they make something iconic design. So do you think there's something being made now that will be worthwhile in 10 or 15 or 20 years time? Uh, now, right now, I like the Octo Finissimo by Bulgari. Mm. It's well done, with a good design. And uh, other piece, maybe a few time-only Richard Mille. I'm so interested you say Richard Mille, because I'm always raging about Richard Mille. <laughs> no, because Richard Mille was very innovative. Right. He didn't copy other brands. Yeah. The brands copied him. Yeah. And uh, he brought his passion on auto racing in the watch world. Mm. And he created a very interesting piece. The problem, maybe the price is a little insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's understatement, Auro. It's yeah. just a small problem. Yeah, but, but the, the watch are very interesting. But the material, the, the design. You see, that's interesting, because for me at least, I'd, I look at the design, I, I understand they're technically interesting and the material's interesting, yeah. but I look at the, that sort of tonneau shape. Yeah. And for the most part, um, I don't find myself liking them. Although I will say, I do like, you remember that he did that series based on candy? Yeah, those I thought were really interesting because it was yeah. a, it was a surprising concept. Yeah, this kind of watch is very popular. I remember uh, the watch came out circa two years ago. Mm. I was in Singapore. I saw a group of uh, younger <laughs> <laughs> generation there with the Richard Mille candy on the wrist. Yeah, uh, multicolor Lamborghini <laughs> right. and uh, sneaker. On the feet on about five thousand, seven thousand dollar each one. <laughs> right. The new generation like this kind of stuff. Right. The brightly colored yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, I am actually. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I to, I'm shocked. I have to say, for someone who's like, uh, here's my hypothesis about seventies aesthetics or seventies yeah. watches, is that I think that um, design. When did you uh, born? When was I born? Yeah. Nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah. There's a reason. <laughs> but I was I wasn't even aware of what was yeah, happening when it was in the seventies. You, you were seven years ago, seven years old. I was in seventy seven, seventy eight. Right, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But I, but I, I feel like the thing about I her, born in fifty seven, I like sixty. <laughs> right, I, I guess so. It's always yeah. ten years later. Yeah. Right. 
How come you never fell down the the car collecting wormhole? Because um, you from you you we're going to talk about this in a minute. You yeah. did this beautiful book, Time to Race, but you love cars. So I what? love cars, but uh, in the Haiti, I decide to focus only on watches. Right. I like to have a discipline in my things. Right. And also, if you are living in Italy, it's no great place to to drive cars. Nice car. It to park, a- nice car <laughs> somewhere. It's not a nice place. Yeah, it's a, there are great streets to, uh, to drive, Yeah, but it's no great place to park the car for safety, for many reasons. Okay. And are there, there has to be... When I was living in California, I, I bought a few old Cadillac because I love Cadillac. Oh, I saw an amazing picture of you, yeah. young, uh, next to this fantastic, <laughs> was it a 50s I bought Cadillac? them. The first car was a Cadillac uh, Coupe de Ville 54. Yeah. After that, I bought the famous... 57 convertible. Uh, uh, Chevrolet? Uh, yeah. yeah, Cadillac, yeah. Oh, Cadillac, okay. And the last one was uh, always wing cars. And um, the last one was uh, Coupe de Ville 61. <laughs> White color convertible. So this is in the 80s? It was um, between the 81 and 86 when I was living in California. So you were an Italian, young Italian man living in California, yeah. driving a mid-50s yeah. Cadillac. Because uh, our no expensive car sure. was a comfortable car, you can put many people inside. <laughs> I put myself, my old toys inside. This to me sounds like the dream that you might have had when you were a kid. Yeah, the California dreaming is always a great dream. God, I mean, it's funny because as a kid in England, I had a dream of having, I wanted a 50s, uh, I loved the 1950s, I was obsessed with the 50s, in particular the cars. And my dream was a 57 Chevy Bel Air. I'm a Bel Air, yeah. Yeah, that was my dream. Or the early 60s Lincoln Continental, but that had... Oh, the Lincoln the, Continental was a nice day. The door, the, doors, the suicide yeah. doors. Okay, so let me ask you this then. You must have in your mind, even though I know you're very disciplined about collecting watches, you yeah. must have a, an Auro fantasy garage. Oh, very simple. Like a iconic car, like a Mercedes Galving. Okay. A Ferrari... 275 GT before. Okay. And uh, also the 250 GT Lusso right. by Ferrari. That's it. <laughs> it's just, you're a simple man with simple, yeah, because simple pleasures. Nice body, yeah. well designed, and then those are kind of car. Now, do you mean to tell me, Aldo, that you, yeah. you are rejecting the Alpha T33, which in my mind is the most beautiful car ever made? Yeah, yeah, it's a great design. The... The face is incredible of oh, that car. I love that car. I feel like if I had a fantasy car... I had the light everything. It was great. All of it. I mean, yeah, and I love, I've always loved cars where the door des- opens yeah. in part of the, the roof. For some reason, I find that really fascinating. Design. Also, the racing car, there was a T233 with the same kind of window. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I would, for my fantasy garage, I would add... I would add a few things from the, the from, from the eras you don't like. I would probably have a, a vector. Do you know what a vector double? Yeah, no, no, no. just from a design standpoint, I think it's amazing. But that period, I think, was the most powerful car, no? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Um, and it had this extraordinary kind of fighter jet interior dashboard that was modeled off an F sixteen yeah. fighter plane. But for this kind of design, I prefer the Bulldog by Aston oh. Martin. <laughs> I know that, yeah, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. What about, okay, what about if we're going down? I feel like maybe I could persuade you to like the 70s and 80s. Auto. I'm, this is going to be my job yeah. for the next half an hour. What about 
um, the uh, Is Dera Imperator. Oh, yeah. Not Do you bad. like that one? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. All right. I love I love that. that. That was based on that Mercedes. There was a Mercedes concept car I think yeah. it was based on. Um, did you not have any love for rally, Group B, all that kind of stuff? I like uh, a lot of the, the Delta. The Integrale? Yeah, the Integrale. Okay. It was a great car. Yeah. The Stratos. Options. Uh, other cars, I don't know. Like, uh, when I was younger, I loved the Alpine. It was too small for me. The Alpine A110. Oh, yeah. I had one of those. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that that's the only car I've ever had that you feel like you're actually wearing. Yeah. It's but it it's beautiful. The design, the the interior, all of it. The details are really really beautiful. The tail, yeah. Yeah, all of it. Um, the other thing, I, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was, um, you have mentioned a few times, uh, that your Grail watch. And I'm sure everyone immediately wants to hear what is John Goldberg's Grail watch. Is this watch from the Kubrick film, 2001, the Hamilton prototype? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? No, it was when I saw the first time. The movie was a kid was 10 years old. Was in mm. 67, 68. With my father. My father was a big passion with the fiction. Science fiction. Yeah, and I saw the. The movie was uh, incredible. After that, uh, I read about the Kubrick asked to Amazon to make a special watch for the for the movie. It was a one dash clock and few curved wristwatches. Yeah, you can see clearly in the, in the movie. I know there is one example in the Hamilton Museum and other. I don't know. They, Somebody told me they made three okay. pieces. Now, do you have also, do you like science fiction yourself? Or yeah, no? yeah. You do? Yeah. I'm a huge science fiction fan. Massive. What kind of, uh, oh, this is amazing. So, okay, but my chart of the fiction movie, uh, okay, 2001, Odyssey in Space. Yep. Blade Runner. Oh, of course, Blade Runner. And uh, what's another movie? Aliens. Yeah, aliens is more is terror or yeah. fiction. <laughs> right. Alien, uh, alien, uh, not aliens. Also. The second <coughs> one was good. And the watch, the Seiko design yeah, by yeah. Giugiaro. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I've been obsessed with Blade Runner ever since I was a kid. And also, Giugiaro, <clears throat> I think the only few designers make good job on the on the watches. That's right. Because there's so many designers that will make great watches. Yeah. Another great designer, I don't remember the name, was a German designer. He designed the, the Jungans. Okay. It was a great design. Who did, you, it wasn't Dieter Rams, was it? No. No, Rams made the, the other watch for Brown. Okay. It's a rectangular with a digital right. okay. screen. And uh, Jungans was another designer who worked in, in Germany. And... Uh, he made this incredible shape. So also, other than watches, um, you collect, I know you say you're very focused, but I suspect other things have crept in. I got watch from the 70s, I loved it. Oh. was a present from my father, was a Pulsar. Was it a digital watch? Yeah, a Pulsar <laughs> P1. Wait, is it the one with one button? Yeah. 
That was my very first watch. The Kuvex one. Because <laughs> yeah. When uh, my father came from New York, yeah. for my 18 years birthday, gave me this pulsar steel with the Tiffany on the glass. He bought in Tiffany for $175. was a lot of money <laughs> at that right. period. Yeah. This, kind, this kind of money, you can buy a gold Rolex they just. Really? Yeah. But he bought your pulsar? Yeah. That hasn't... <laughs> That hasn't done as well in the market as the I still have in my, my drawer. So you, you, I find it very interesting. There is something really exciting about the hunt, I guess, isn't it? It's, but so do you, do you go and visit your watches on a regular basis, like sort of like children? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Go to the safe and see the watches. Does it give you, does it, when you look at all your watches you've collected, what is it, do you think about, the journey they've taken you, or where you've found no, no. them, or, or when I found when they found it, why I found it, and uh, the storytelling around the watch. Every watch has a. Do you remember every story for every watch? Yeah, I remember all price of watch, <laughs> all, all the dealer, or the collector, the place. That's an amazing. It's like a. It's kind of like um like a family album of sorts, in a way. Yeah. Yourself, right? Yeah, your yeah. memories, yeah. your life. That's fascinating. And um, it was an interesting journey. But I'm um, getting all them men of the past century. Well, I don't know. You still seem very curious. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, yes. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're curious, that's the thing. That's the most important thing. For example, two days ago, I was in Hampton, and there was a little flea market. I went there. I jumped there. To see, to browse, to find. You can't, res you can't resist. No, no. I used to, I think we went to the, I used to, when I first moved to New York in 92, I would go to the flea market on 26 and 6. Yeah, I remember. The first time in, in New York was in 78. Okay. When I started collecting watches. And then 26 and 6, was a big, huge flea market. Yeah. I met Andy Warhol there. Really? Yeah, what, just, you were both looking at watches? Yeah. He was a good collector. He bought a lot of object uh, jewelry. <laughs> Wait watches. a minute, this is amazing. Tell me. So there's Andy Warhol looking at some watches. Auto sees him. What happens? Yeah. You go up to him, you say. No, nope. uh, it was, <clears throat> was a lady. It was named Pia. She was a pharmacist. It was a good dealer of watches. And it was, she was selling watches to Andy Warhol. And she introduced me to him. And what happened? Well, how did the conversation? You just had a, a little brief exchange. We talk. We talk about Cartier. What was he buying? Yeah, shape watches. This guy was, was he buying a Cartier? Yeah. Do you remember which one? I don't remember. It was a, a tank or something <laughs> like this. But it was very popular on the flea market. He was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and 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 so and so uh, visible with the with the hair, yeah, with the, the wig. Wig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how could you not Why see wig? it? I would imagine it would be very hard for Andy Warhol to get good bargains. Yeah. I know. All the stuff of Andy Warhol went to the auction by Sotheby in the hand of uh, 80. He, they made, I think, six different catalogs. One for watches, one for jewelry, one for the furniture, another one for the object d'art. And uh, it was an interesting collection. But it was more amassing stuff. He was? Yeah. I see. Do you think, did, was, he wasn't the reason you got into Cartier, was he? Yeah. He he, it was because of Warhol? 
But you, no, but, but did you like Cartier because what? No, you, no, 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 no. I so like Cartier. Okay, when I started collecting watch, I started because my father gave me great advice. Please go and buy watches because with the Corsair are very cheap. All the manual watch was on the free market for nothing. Right. Uh, can make good bargain because my father and my family were big art collector. Mm. And uh, my, father, my father told me, don't buy Cartier, buy only Patek and Rolex. But Cartier is for coiffeur people. It's <laughs> 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 <It's> the hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so did you then choose Cartier because you were a father and you had yeah. to rebel against your, yeah. your, your son, you had to rebel against your father? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Right. That's fantastic. That's very funny. So <laughs> where, how long did it take you to come around to deciding to buy Patek and Rolex then? Immediately. Immediately? Because uh, my father told me, Patek and Cartier, and I didn't know Patek. I know only Omega, Cartier, or Rolex. Mm. Uh, I told him, who is Patek? Go to Geneva and I'll learn. I took my Beetle, I went to the Geneva, I see the small building on the Rue du I understood the, the power of Patek, the importance of Patek. But why? From just seeing the building? No, just to see the building, the catalog, to see the watches. So hang on. So you were, um, so you went there, and because then, my father never teach me, right? Always give me the direction. Go and learn well, yourself. I feel like that's the best thing a father. As a father now, I feel like yeah. the, all you can do is a direction, and then hopefully yeah. your child will follow yeah. that direction yeah. or not. Yeah. But so you went to the Patek off building, and they, and they just you, you were how old, if I could ask? I was. Uh, uh, 78, 20 years old. Okay, so and they said, come in and have a look? Yeah, I went there and see the, uh, they show me the important watch, I remember the perpetual, the pocket watch. Right. They gave me, I still have the small catalog with the price on it. <laughs> I was very surprised about the, the style of the watch, the, the power of the movement, the case. Everything. So you must have seen some of the amazing 70s stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. A lot, of, you, lot of ellipse. <laughs> right. But this is interesting. I feel like... <coughs> I, I was very attracted by perpetual complicated watch. Why is that? Because I thought it was a very important, a very unusual, and for that period, only plastic manufactured complication. Watch with the complication. Right. Pocket watch and wristwatch. Later, and the market came back um, at the Mar and Bashan with the perpetual with the chronograph, but in, for that period, it was only Patek. Also later came out uh, in the market, uh, General Genta with his complicated watches. So you had good, you had very good natural instincts yeah. for collecting. Yeah. That's interesting. I, 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 uh, I've been through a lot of different kind of, I mean, look, it's very hard for me to talk about collecting when I'm talking to you because my journey is so small and my knowledge is tiny. Um, but uh, I, 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 like you, I, I do enjoy the, the, the excitement of discovering something. I found a, a watch um, the other day through a friend of mine on Instagram, actually. Uh, it's a Louis Vuitton, the, the very first watch, the, one of the very first watches they made, the Monterey. Oh, yeah. With the, does that make, it was put together by IWC with a ceramic case. Yeah, from uh, Gao Linti Design. Yes, exactly, exactly. The crown on 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know Gao Linti was a, was she was wearing, wearing on the wrist the big Rolex split second? 
She was? She's personal watch was a Rolex split second. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You can see many photos from the 70s. Interesting. Watch. But the one, this is the one you're talking about, they made only 12 or something. Yeah. God, that's interesting. But I, I find, do you, let me ask you this. Do you, um, do you get a greater satisfaction out of buying a, an interesting watch that's very cheap or not? When I find something that's really cheap and rare, I feel like, I feel happier than when I have to yeah, pay a lot. Yeah, always, always. Yeah. My, I paid a lot on the watch, always. Right. I prefer to pay a lot for the originals, for the correct source, with the correct uh, provenance, with the correct story. I feel like that. I, I was buying it when I was very young. Right. Now I don't want to lose time to make. Right. I, f I feel like those, those, you have these boxes that must be ticked, and the number of watches that tick those boxes must be getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Now, like, collection shrinking. Is it? Yeah. Try to trade uh, more water for one more, more rare watches. I'm trying to think if I have anything worth trading. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about this book yeah. for, for a minute. Um, so for people who are not watching the YouTube, uh, Aldo has produced this glorious book called A Time to Race. So it's stories of, of watches and race car drivers yeah. and the watches that they wore. Yeah. Um, and it's just coming out now? No, this is came, uh, came out uh, one year ago. Oh, one year, I'm sorry. Okay. And now it's coming out the second one. Okay. Also, it will be ready for Christmas. Okay, and then the second one is also the same? Other 120 characters and other uh, watch um, brands. In the first one, the foreword was from uh, uh, Ferrari Son. Okay. And um, TK Mack. Is a collector from uh, Hong Kong. The second one, the forward, would be from Richard Mill, from Mario Andretti. Right. Yeah, he's got a big collection himself. We tried to find uh, a character from the uh, racing world and a character from the watch world. So did you get to meet a lot of the people with, I mean, a lot of these people are, are not alive, in this book are not alive anymore, but did you, yeah. but did you meet in the second book? Are they, are they more contemporary people or are they similar era? Similar era. <clears throat> There's a mix of contemporary and old people. Okay. But the interesting thing is uh, in both books, there are a lot of American drivers. Right. The American drivers love to wear watches during their racing. <laughs> right. I wonder why that is. I feel like that would be distracting. <laughs> you can't drive and look at a watch at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> at least I can't. Maybe it's a different level of skill. Uh, so um, you also collect uh, Chinese porcelain, is that right? Yeah, for decoration. No, it's, not, it's not a real uh, thing. Yeah, just a tea pot uh, from China from the last century. So, what made you what what made what distracted from your central focus of collecting watches to start collecting that that stuff? No, it's no real collection. Like to buy something I love on the market in the UK in America uh, to decorate the, the house. Okay, you've never been you've never been tempted to kind of um, buy other things. It's always you've never. Uh, I'm always tempted. <laughs> in the 80s, I was tempted by cars. Okay, I stopped it. 
and also by uh, collecting photos. Ah, okay. I start to collect some photos, okay. black and white, from a good photographer, but um, I stopped. That's so interesting. So it's a you, it's a, con a conscious decision to stop. Yeah. Because you want you want to abandon your focus. Yeah. Right. So what cars did you start to collect? No, I started with the Beetle, convertible Beetle, with the first car right. when I was 18 years old. After that, I bought a Porsche Spister. Oh, very. There was too many detailed story. It was hard to to find the right. You wanted the example. You, you wanted a perfectly yeah. original yeah. and untouched. Sure. I did have a lot of knowledge, and I abandoned. It. I stopped. Was that, was that in California? No, 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 it was in Italy. Okay. Because this, I remember the price of pistol there was like $20,000 in Italy in sure. the beginning of eight. The idea, the difference between authenticity or the value of authenticity between, in terms of watches and cars is handled very differently. Yeah. Like in a, in a car, you can have a car that has been... Re restored. They, um, yeah, totally restored, or they just have the chassis and then they, they make everything... The restoration is accepted in the car world. That's right. In the watch world, no. No, a lot. How do you feel about people when they... How do you feel about cases being restored? The right direction? Why not? But uh, what kind of restoration? With the laser, add material? Right. I don't like it a lot. Well, I feel like uh, the problem with restoration is it removes the history, right? Right. It removes the... It removes the... the it removes the story, it removes the, the, the romance. Also right now, in the, I think the car market, the bar finds are very yes. popular. Yeah. They are back to the original condition cars. Yeah. Well, there's one, if there's one... There is a premium on this kind of car. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I find it, I, the, thing, the problem I have with a lot of vintage Ferraris is that they've just, they're, so, they're just too restored. You know when you see the interior and it's perfect and it's sort of the seats are too fat, yeah, yeah. too plump. The leather is too new. Yeah, too. I love like a. I would. I mean, when you see a friend of mine has a couple of old. He's he's kind of. Uh, I mean, you, well, you know, Ben Clymer. Yeah. So he's got a couple of cars and they're all as they were from from the fifties or sixties. And there's something so beautiful about the scratches and the cracks yeah. and the leather and the and the kind of. Literally, saw some photos about uh, with the Zagato car. Yeah. With a nice scratch. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's <laughs> With some, original yeah, yeah. painting. Yeah, I mean, the scratches and everything make it beautiful. It's just, I don't know, there's something. I don't have any, I, 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 I sold all my, I got out of all the 60s stuff I had. Um, now I have only cars you would not like out of. Why? <laughs> Tell they're, me, they're, what car? Okay. Well, they're all things, they're modern things. Uh, well, you might actually like the Lancia 037. Uh -huh. Do you know what that is? Yeah. No. Group B. Um, if you, I mean, if you look, if you're around, you want to go for a drive, I'm happy to terrify you. <laughs> Not with my driving skills, but with my driving inability. Uh, the, uh, the 07 was an interesting car. Oh, such a, um, that's, I, I sold it a few years ago to a friend of mine. And then recently I just bought it back. Yeah. Um, and it's, I feel like it's the best car I've ever driven. That's partly why I sold all the 60s stuff because I didn't like, um, you know, you can drive this kind, of car, this kind of car. Right. Well, also, the 60 stuff was not as fun to drive. It was much more beautiful to look at. 
Like an isogrifo. Yeah, an isogrifo is like a sculpture. And what? Put, like sculpture. Yeah, that's right. You can put on your dining room yeah. to sit. That's right. Tell me about uh, sprezzatura. You're the uh, only person who's ever... Uh, I'm kind of secretly obsessed yeah. with sprezzatura. Yeah. <laughs> can you, do you think you can explain to the audience what it is? No, it's a, it's a, it's a very simple elegance. I learned about uh, sprezzatura in Naples. Okay. Is that the origin of sprezzatura? Yeah, in Naples, in Rome. Okay. The best place you can find a very elegant man. There are great tailors there yeah. for suit or shirts, good also for shoes. But uh, as I understand it, isn't sprezzatura um, sort of like slightly careless elegance? It's careless elegance. Right. Very simple. Also, you can mix everything. Right. Without problem. Yeah. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've recently realized, I, 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 I've come across a, a friend, I've become friends with, a, with a, a, a tailor, a really good tailor from Naples, and he's just made, he actually made me these trousers that I'm wearing today. And I've never really had a pair of trousers made for me, and I feel like I've never actually been wearing real clothes until now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, because when you have stuff, it's just the way they fit, the way they wear, the... It's, it's, it's kind of a revelation. I feel like I have to start from scratch. You know, the culture in that city is, uh, is deep in the elegance of that. Do you like history at all? Do you, are you interested in history at all? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Any particular era of history? Uh, the Renaissance. Really? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Why? Because it was the best period for the Italian culture. About everything. Architecture. Painting, sculptures, you, now politics you, also. <laughs> was that the was that the Borgia and the Renaissance, and, or they were? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Were, okay. The beginning of the Renaissance. Yeah. Okay. You said your parents were collectors of art. What what kind of art did they collect? Uh, they collected the painting for the 16th and 17th century, furniture for 17th century, 18th century, carpets. This kind of stuff, pottery. Do you still have some of those things? Yeah, yeah. My parents passed away. I was still the house of a. It's very close to my house, full of full ladies. Stop. Is it empty? No, no. It's uh, like uh, when we're still living. That's amazing. But, but but sorry, but no one lives there now. No. So you've kept it as. Yeah, right. To remember my family, does it? That's beautiful. That's really an extraordinary thing. <laughs> Do you go and, and visit on a regular basis? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. to check everything. And everything smells like them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I have things that, that still, I've kept things, well, my father was an artist, yeah. uh, so I have his art, of course. But I've kept things that belong to them, and, you know, that smell of your, my father or my mom. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. It just, it's immediate, those memories. That's extraordinary. It's good memories from the past. Yeah. Especially from your family. For sure. Do you, um, oh, I really, I find that very touching, Aro, and, and really a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's, it's lovely. Obviously, I guess that's where, that's where, you know, that's where that idea of collecting came from, presumably. Yeah, right. Yeah. My parents didn't collect anything. Good. They, <laughs> I think if I, I think if they were alive now, um, they would be appalled, kind of. But these, like, why these cars? Why watches? Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't, I don't think they'd understand that. 
you know, sometimes the people doesn't like the second hand object. Right. Well, that's in part, like, that's why I find it hard to buy modern watches because there's no, um, there's no uh, history, there's no age to them. Yeah. Do you find that's... And also they're still working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it's true. Yeah. Do you, do you find that, do you have that, do you, does that bother you, the lack of age in things in watches or not? No. No. Yeah. You're wearing what today? You're wearing a... It's an old bronze by Tudor. Right. It's a good watch to, to travel. Right. It's all oxidized by summertime. I was watching the way you, I was watching, this is going to sound weird, um, but I'm always saying weird things. I was watching the way you handle watches. Like you were showing, I think, Waco, um, way the, these tanks, yeah, yeah. and the way you handle them is so like, it's with this fluidity and ease <laughs> of someone who's been handling watches for decades, yeah. as opposed to like this kind of, this sort of like, it's like a crown jewel. I can open also easily the watches. <laughs> well, we, I know you're referencing, <laughs> you're referencing the mythological event that happened with yeah. for those of it, for those people who don't know what Alvin yeah. is talking about. The opening the case back with the yeah. cheese knife. That, well, it's not cheese knife. It's a charcuterie. It's a charcuterie knife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, whatever it was, it was a knife. <laughs> and it, it was on the on the cheese end. Well, because I think that you've been you started collecting watches at a time when they were they were beautiful, interesting things, but they weren't what they are now. You know, the problem is that when I decided to publish books, I took photos of, of the watches. Mm. I opened all watches. I go down to open watches. Right. Good experience. Sure. But do you think, but I feel like when I look at, um, for instance, there's a, I saw a video the other day of, a, of um, it was shot in California in the late 60s yeah. and it was a bunch of guys with Ferraris, right? And they were painting numbers on the side of their Ferraris, right. the sports cars. They were like actors or whatever yeah, yeah. because they were just cars. I mean, they were beautiful foreign cars that were expensive, but they were still. Yeah, they went to the Laguna Seca Speedway yeah. to the other, right. more than a Speedway, no yeah. problem. Yeah, but they, 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 hadn't, they hadn't occupied this kind of exalted area in our minds that watches and cars occupy now. Yeah. Do you feel how that's changed for you, how watches are now different spiritually in a way than they were when you started collecting? No. No? Maybe the new generation are a little different. They have a less experience, but now they have a lot of information by web, by... Also, the all the um, GTG get together, right? Meeting, it's all different. But what I mean is, I guess that that um, watches. In the past, I was working on more on solitude. Right. Yeah. Do you miss that? No. 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 You like the idea of information being available. Yeah. Right. Right. For me, the. I like the democracy of the web. Sometimes there is wrong information, but... But don't you miss... But I feel like the democracy of the web means it's much harder to be Sir Edmund Hillary. It's yeah. much harder to be the person, like the first person to top Everest. You know no, what I mean? Okay. No? no? I don't care. Do, you don't... Do you not... Do you... Like, for instance, you post the watch actually that I happen to own as well, which gave me great joy, <laughs> which is the Pierre Cardin... Um, yeah. Cardin uh, what was that? The Jaeger... It's not Jaeger Lecoultre, it's a No, different... no, Lecoultre. It uh, is Lecoultre. It was, um, the name of the line was uh, Espace. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Cardin decided to design many things in the 70s. 
Mm. He made the, the astronauts suit for the NASA. Yeah. She designed the, the suit for the, the, the crew of the airlines. Braniff. Yeah. Yeah. He designed the tiles. Right. Design towels. Right. He decided to design also watches. Very innovative design. He made the joint with the Jaeger, France. Yeah. Good company. Introduced this kind of line. Very innovative. The first time I saw this watch was um, almost 20 years ago in the flea market on Marshall Push in Paris. Okay. I bought trip a sample, new with the box, everything. Right. For $500, $400 each one. Sure. And later I found the others. I, I tried to amass a little bit. Right. Make a little collection. They are very interesting. So you see, you do like something from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't wear it. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you not wear them then, if you find them interesting? Uh, too, too fancy. Too, too too awesome. For this kind of... Watch maybe I have to wear also strange suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we can have a suit made that will match yeah. the watch for you. Yeah. Okay, or interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, going back to the Octo Finissimo, funnily enough, do you think that that, so you think that will be a watch that will be looked at? Do you think like um, the uh, we'll be Royal Oak or? The next 20 years maybe will be collectible, especially the special edition by the Japanese designer. Oh, Tadao Ando. Tadao Ando, the other one where they made the little... The shiny one. Yeah. Yeah. The, she is uh, acted and uh, she made two models. One with the strange cascade on the on the dial. Okay. About the nose. And the other, the other one with the all mirror. Right. What about the... I find myself curiously attracted to the um, skeletonized black ceramic one. Yeah, this is very nice. I love be, that. Will be collectible. I love how that looks. Not like a uh, uh, royal oak by the marmar, very similar. Designed well done and then the finishing everything. By luck also the tourbillon, the repeating, minute repeating. Right. What do you think of the? I, what do you think of Especially the one in, uh, with the carbon fiber case? Actually, I'm talking to uh, Fabrizio. Yeah. Uh, maybe this week or next week. Good. Good uh, friend of mine. He's a great designer. Well, also, he came from the automotive. Yeah, that's right. There's a reason he designed very well the case, the, the screw, the finishing. Right. There's great knowledge in the material. Well, we, we, had, a, we, we had a phone call. We, we, we had a quick, <coughs> a quick chat the other day, and we started talking immediately about cars. Yeah. Uh, and also he designed, you see, uh, some drawings about cars. Right. Well, you know what I found? His, my, his nickname is Mano de Dio. Mano de Dio, yeah. Hand of God? It's my, it's my, yeah. Is that, that's your nickname? Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know what I found really interesting? Um, I used to work in advertising and now I'm an artist and my, I'm a, uh, when I want to sound pompous, I say I'm a conceptual artist because everything for me works is around ideas. And what I found, there's not much, he, they did something I thought was conceptually really interesting was the sketches yeah. that then became the watch. It was a very innovative yeah. idea for me. Really I interesting idea. That's why I like. I'd like to buy one. I'm sure that they'll be able to. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be able yeah. to help you out. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's a very fresh, innovative idea. Yeah, but that's what I like. That con that's why I like the Richard Mille candy thing because it was a concept. It was a really. Yeah. It was a real. It was a definitive idea. It's conceptual work from the mind. Yeah, and I really admire exactly. that. 
Are there any other watches that you think of that is conceptual like that? The new frontier is an NFT. Right. <laughs> I, I don't even understand. Me do you, too. Do you, you don't understand? Because there are two kinds of world, the virtual world, the real world. Right. I am still in the real world. <laughs> I understood why the young generation like this kind of stuff. Right. I did a few NFTs and I'm 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 still super confused as to what the point of it is. Where I, yeah. I feel like at some point you become your parents, you know. Yeah. You, I ha, at some point you, you as you grow older, you 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 have this you have this memory of how you were when you were a child, looking at your parents un, and com- completely baffled that they couldn't understand what you could understand. And that's right. where I am now. Is I'm realizing I am now at the point where my kid looks at me and doesn't and doesn't understand how I don't understand. I'm very curious, but. I'd like to understand more about the NFT, the, this kind of new world. Maybe we can take a class together. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So, um, you know what else I find, uh, I'd be curious to know what you think of, is, uh, is, and I'm, is Rescence. Do you find them interesting from, as, a, as a watch brand, or, or that's not really your thing? No, it's very interesting. You do? Yeah, yeah. Why? It's a great mechanical piece. But I thought you weren't interested in the mechanics. Yeah, but <laughs> in this guy, in this case, uh, you know, it came from the Libreguet idea. You know? Did it? Yeah, resonance. No resonance. The you know the ones with the. I thought with the resonance. By, oh no 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 no. By oh, Jorn. Oh no. no, no. Well, the rest. You know, the, well the the. Ah, the resonance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jorn, it's interesting yeah, yeah. because for Jorn, I keep trying to like it. Yeah. Like I, I, and I look at it, and I, I totally understand that um, it's sophisticated and it's beautifully done, and the typography is amazing, and the materials are amazing. And so I feel like for all those reasons, I should like it, but then I just can't, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's too retro style. You know, the watch is like a piece of 18th century, 19th century on your wrist. Ah, you know, the design, the art. Okay. It's well made. So do you think if I liked pocket watches, I would then like F.P. Jean? For me, the future is uh, will be the pocket watch. Really? Yeah, for the younger generation, if you like ma- manual mechanic watches, you can wear high watch on the wrist, a, a good pocket watch on the, on the pocket. The, okay. Can, they can play with the split cycle, <laughs> repeating with perpetual for. Well, the, 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 there's two, the, the one problem I have for the pocket watch gaining universal acceptance is this. I had bought a pocket watch. It was a beautiful Longines with this salmon dial and this oh, whole right. thing, right? It's really lovely. But then it occurred to me, how do you wear it? Like, I feel like you need to have specific clothing because you need to have a little vest no, or just, just in your pocket. Yeah, just a pocket for the, the denim, for the pants. Well. It's a good chain, does it? So you think that's going to be the next thing? Well, this is the this is Goldberger predicts. No, no, no. <laughs> but if, if a young generation like mechanic and manual mm. or affordable price, you can buy for fifty thousand, one hundred thousand good watch by Patrick, by Vashon, by Breguet. It's impossible to find an on the wrist. It's kind of complication. Right. And also the high watch is incredible watch. The one thing that's one of the things that's beautiful about pocket watches is because the dial is massive, yeah. you have this huge canvas to do interesting things. Yeah. Do you think there would be? Do you think there would be an opportunity to do a contemporary pocket watch? Is anyone doing that? I collecting the modern. 
pocket watch by Patrick they made in the 60s and 70s was a new modern case, like Art Deco. I mm-hmm. like this kind of watch. I don't like the, the style of the beginning of the century, too much retro, too much right. old style. Right. But I saw a very nice pocket watch by Panerai, this tourbillon with a strange ceramic case, this incredible chain. It was designed from an Italian designer, Gian Piero Bodino. He made a good job. I tell you, Panerai breaks my heart because I love, I want to love Panerai so much. <laughs> like the initial, the, in, the well, the original ones. Mm. Oh. I have a few examples of the original one. Oh, I love those things because there's just... You know, they are full of storytelling. In this well, yeah, I know. They have the most extraordinary stories. Um, but also just the way they look, they're just, there's the, the sandwich dial, the wire lugs, yeah. the onion crowns. I mean, I know that... that I don't, the leather band. Yeah, uh, like all of it. It's just this, it's like this kind of orgy of patina. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The orgy of patina, yeah, right. <laughs> you can use that in your next book, Auro. That's my gift to you, that <laughs> phrase. It, uh, uh, just uh, and and I and I and even the 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 contemporary re, the the ones that the reissues of the old versions I still yeah. like, but they're just too big. I have tiny like little hot dog yeah. wrists, um, but I I still love them. Uh, there's something about that typography, that sandwich dial thing is really beautiful and so simple, but so incredible. Yeah. Okay. It was a while. They were a real tool watch. Yeah, that's right. Before Rolex and uh, Omega manufactured in the, the 60, in the 50. Well, wasn't Rolex making, was Rolex, did Rolex make any tool watches in the 40s? Sort of, no? No. no? no. They started to make uh, the Lil Gauss, GMT, Submariner, in the 57, right. 58. I do feel like if the bubble backs, uh, I find I think that the bubble backs are were the most audacious we and interesting. One of the best design, what in, this, uh, in the history. Bubble backs. Yeah, uh, very simple, a multitude of uh, variation of dials. But so hard to find real ones now. Yeah, there are many down dial. Right. It also uh, it's very difficult to find the part to fix the movement. Right. I find that I, I find that the bubble backs, the dials, and the designs—that was the most audacious period for Rolex in terms of yeah. dial design, yeah. the most interesting. And, and there are so many. If you know the Rolex from the forty, from the fifty, sixty, their dial is incredible. The dials are piece of art. They are, but the but, but the bubble backs in particular, they were yeah. just doing things that in the I feel like in the fifties and 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 later on, it was a little bit more conventional. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the thirty and the forty was an incredible two tone dial, black, uh, right, um, pink salmon. Yeah. I've lo- I mean, that, numerals. That, that's my that's my kind of obsession is forties Rolex and then seventies Patek. Yeah. Um, but I can't really. I mean, I, I look. If you know anyone who has a nice bubble back, they want to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking for a bubble back. Now I'll, they are back on the market. Are they? Especially the the good condition, die good condition case. Right. The best example are in, in Japan. Right. They start in both uh, buying the watches and uh, these kind of watches in the eighty. They are 
still there in some collection. I, I find it uh, every time I, I find it so <laughs> it's very hard to, for me. I don't have the knowledge to tell. Like every time I think, oh, this is a real one, and I'll send it to a guy I know who seems to know about bubble backs, and I'll say, what do you, it, this is real, and he'll go, no, it's not. <laughs> every single time, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's. I find it very. It's very frightening to buy because they they always seem to be redialed. Yeah, right. But I love. I mean, the yeah, some of the sector dials, all that stuff is beautiful. I used to also collect uh, Eberhardt for a long time. Yeah, me too. They're beautiful. Because they are <clears throat> a strange company because they don't have a great distribution network around the world. Mm. They were they were very popular in Italy, in Switzerland, Germany, few examples in the States. And also later was purchased from an Italian distributor. And uh, they made great chronograph yeah. by size, by dial. They were huge. They made great split second. I had a, I had a, um, I had one. I, I sold it because I started buying all these Pateks. Yeah. I couldn't afford to keep everything, but it had an inscription on the back, um, and the inscription was from the 513th Machine Gun Regiment to our captain, and it was dated May 1936. Oh, great! So that was when Italy was invading Ethiopia. Oh. It was such a piece of history. Came from Italy. It was yeah. very popular in Italy. It, it seemed like there was a very there was a because I had a quite I remember buying quite a few Eberhards that that had belonged to people in the Italian military. You know, in the, in, in the thirty, the Italian market was was one of the most important market in Europe. Mm. Forget the States and China did not exist. Sure, distribution there, and uh, in Italy in the thirty you can find that. Extremely rare Longines, especially chronograph, Rolex, Eberhard. Right. It's a great market for this right. kind of brand. Yeah, they're, they're, they're beautiful. The dials are exquisite. There's something for me, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but there's something for me about very busy dials in the Those 40s. Those 40 millimeter case. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Those busy dials make me kind of, when I see them, they do something to me. They make me fizz in a good way. Those they make something different, extra for the movement. Uh, right. The split second was very, very interesting. Yeah. The value 55 movement. Right. And then they have that peculiar lock function. Yeah. What was that for? Just to lock the, to stop the timer? To stop it or restart. I see. Okay. It, was, it wasn't like a safety. Extra for they called it. Right. Because the company was located in the Fond. Yeah. And... Um, I think the, the Italian family bought the, the company was named Vecchi, I think, or Monti, I remember. They bought the company and now they don't right. do business. They, are they, is Eberhard still in business? Yeah. They make the most atrocious watches. In Italian ownership. <laughs> Every time I see them, it breaks my heart because the yeah. stuff from the 40s is so glorious. And yeah. then the stuff now is just a crime against horology. Like Logine. Right. Do you not think they're doing very much of any? Do you don't think they're doing much that's good these days? No, they are making few good models, especially in the heritage line. So they make a legend divers, not bad. Sure. They made a few um, conquest. And the other good watch was uh, some chronograph with flyback function, but they have a, a movement for the watch group. 
the, 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 when I first started collecting, I met with an Italian dealer very, very early on. And I, he was wearing a tritake. And, and I've never bought one, but I would like to buy one. Because for me, the proportions are just every detail. There's so little on the watch. But for me, Longines manufactured the best chronograph in that period. Better than Partick and Vacheron. The 13 ZN? And Omega. Yeah, because yeah. their own movement, very well done. The case, the dial, everything. Mm. It, was a, it was a great chronograph. But the proportions are, are beautiful. Yeah. Like this. The, 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 Thick, the, chunky yeah. case with the step, the step bezel. <gasps> And in the big crown, yeah. I love that. It's, <laughs> I resisted liking watches for so long because I just thought, I mean, I was like, yeah, I was like, I just like cars. If I start liking watches, it's going to be a disaster. And also they have a good uh, dial supply. It was one Flukiger, was in Saint-Imier, the same city of the Longines. Mm. That was a, a star. Yeah. Same man, dial manufacturer of Patek. They made great dial for Longines. Black, uh, two-tone, right, Simon. But you're right. The proportions are beautiful, and and it's those details, as you say, the step dial, I mean, the chunky. It's a perfect chronograph. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I feel like they're a little bit, but they're out of my budget now. So now I'm I'm on the Tretake world. Now the Tretake chronograph is a, is a, another insane price. Are they? I do. I'm just talking about time oh, only. Around one hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 150 that's, with the black dial, 200 with the... All right, that's beyond the Toledano budget. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I have to just stick to the time only. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, those are also... Well, those are time only, three take or six take, they are $10,000 watts. Right. Do you like those or not so much? I love Lugin. Yeah. Is that your favorite brand, do you think? One of my favorites. I make a book on Longine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you made books on. You, I mean, have you made you made Longine the Omega, cars, Rolex, Rolex. Party Philippe Steel, Party Philippe, and Time to Race. Now, look, uh, Auro, any if just let me know when you need some concept. You need me to consult for your 1970s sure. Patek sure, book. Sure. I'm happy to <laughs> lend my years of expertise. Come on, your Beta 21 is a great watch. <laughs> I know. I mean, you let, chose a great watch with a great. Why gold bracelet, uh, detachable and nice blue dial. The the. I I, I really. It's working well. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes with the battery, they have some problem. I have three. This is the one that keeps the most perfect time. Yeah. All the other ones are slightly. There, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's a. There is a little adapter for the battery because right now the battery is different from the past. Right. Yeah, a little smaller. Oh, so you mean that's why the time, it doesn't keep perfect time on some of them? No, no, no. There's no battery, but... This very, one is... This one is it's very difficult to fix it. Yeah, well, I, I just if had If you go these... to a party to fix a watch like this, they can ask you 20,000 Swiss francs. Really? Easy, easily. <sighs> Don't say that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that's terrifying. Yeah. I actually just took them in to be fixed because they weren't working. Um, there's a lovely chap called Alkis, mm. Swiss watch repair. Uh, he fixed them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, which was because they were sitting in my... Because very few watchmakers have this kind of experience to fix this kind of quartz movement. Well, he we worked on them in the 70s and Piaget. Oh, oh yeah. So, he was a Beta yeah. 21. Yeah. Um, I find the Beta 21s just, I love, I'm, I'm a, I mean, I, I wish they were... Because there's a big ellipse with a chunky design. Yeah, the bracelet is great. 
I wish people would make more integration bracelets now. I feel like that's a lost art. Yeah. You know, with the popularity of the Royal Oak, they introduced the integrated bracelet. Maybe the first company was the Rolex with the, with the quartz watch. The, oh, the Oyster Quartz. Yeah. Those are the first for me watch with integrated bracelet. Yeah. And uh, the same period, the Gerogenta designed the Royal Oak. Right. And right now, everybody likes to go back to the 70s style, Vacheron, Reshu, the choo-choo-choo. Right. Spark it, uh, they make an integrated bracelet. Langizone, they make a, no integrated, but steel bracelet. Right. And other company, Tissot. Yep. Introduce a nice watch. But if you look at the variety of integrated bracelets <laughs> that Patek was making, I mean, they were really, I, I feel like they would, it would almost be uh, financially prohibitive to make those bracelets now. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what they cost. It was a very expensive watch in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Do you the know li- what? The Lipse with the integrated bracelet, the, the Beta 21. Or... Do you know what this cost in the 70s? I don't know. I had to check in the whole, I have an old catalog. Really? Oh, I'd love to know. I would love to I'll know. send you the copy. Thank you. Because there's all the price, but it was very close to a perpetual. Right. Do you like the Midas? Do you like the Midas at all? Yeah, I love Midas. Yeah, me too. I have a true example in my collection. The white gold and the true color. Oh, the striped one? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Also, I think uh, Gerard Genta designed the watch. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And... I think the first project started in the 62, 63. That's right. It's really extraordinary because yeah. it's so ahead of its time. I mean, yeah. he really he really preempted the entire 70s integrated yeah. bracelet sculptural watch movement. I mean, that's incredibly so innovative. Yeah. So expensive because it was Rolex investing gold. So heavy, right? Yeah. They're very heavy. Also, they made three models, king, queen, and princess. They made a princess? Yeah. It's very rare. Is this for children? No, just for a <laughs> lady, young lady. But it's very chunky and thick and uh, very, it's incredible. I've never heard of that. A, you see that uh, the height is double than really? the Kimida. I love them. I, you I see have... them hold advertising, there is all three models. Interesting, I've Princess, never heard of that. queen and king. Okay. Do you have any of the later Cellini ones, or you don't like? I don't like Cellini name on the dial. I know. I, I know. Me too. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I have a I have a, a white gold Midas, and then I have a Cellini uh, lapis. Yeah. But I feel the same way. The typography just annoys me. Yeah. It's also the name is a Renaissance artist, Italian artist. Okay, the line of Rolex. It also was not so successful line. Right. Because I think the the only Rolex without. Oyster case. But the problem with the, the, the thing with the Cellini is some of those Cellini Midas are really beautiful, like the design of the case, the onion, yeah. there's that, that sort of hex, not hexagonal, I don't know what yeah, shape. Yeah, there's some hexagonal. Yeah, but, the, and, but they're Cellini, right, those ones? Yeah. So you have to suffer. I have, I have to say, okay, I love the case, I love the dial, I just hate the, the, type, the script. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know, it's funny. that. And is that still going, Cellini? Yeah, it's the line of Cellini, they make it. A good um, moon phase calendar. It also other watch. Would you never buy? Would you ever buy a Cellini? Or no, no. no, because it's a line of Rolex, elegance line, without oyster case. 
Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I feel like they should just retire that line or just redesign that word or something because it's just the typography is terrible. It kills me. Yeah, the, the name also. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, here's another watch I have that you. Uh, I wonder what you think of is the uh, the uh, Nautilus. Oh, it's great. It's quartz, but it's a nice design. Now it's a very expensive watch. Huh? Is it? Yeah. Ah. For example, in the last auction, a steel one, for example, made $25,000. Oh, a yeah. Steel one. Yeah. They are still in gold, gold. They're actually, the, the two-tone of that watch is beautiful looking, and so is the all gold one. They're, they're, yeah. I think people, when, whenever I wear mine, people are always freaked out by it because they're so used to seeing a Nautilus. But to see something with a different proportion is frightening, or not frightening, but weird yeah. for them. They need to be more elastic like you. <laughs> yeah. Flexibility help you. Yeah. Well, look, John, it's been fantastic having you here. Uh, okay. It's been a real honor, man, honestly. Welcome for your hospitality. Um, no, I, it, and, I mean, I'm so happy and, and, and... Great to talking about watches. And cars. With aficionado. <laughs> I'm, don't, that's the highest compliment from the, the, the horological Pope. Uh, uh, no, no, no Pope. Um, but, but once again, I really thank you for coming. And Welcome. Being here. Yeah.